everyone. Thanks for tuning into Power Athlete Radio, featuring the crew, where a former pro football player and a D3 all-star use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about anything but. Now here's John and Tex. Hey, welcome to another episode of Power Athlete Radio. I'm John Walburn. I'm sitting here with my co-host. Tex McQuilkin. You were kind of slow on that. I handed it over. I mean, I know. What's up I, with I the thought you were going to introduce our our friend of the podcast, oh. Matt Zanis. Well, I usually save the guests for last. I'm John Wellborn. I'm sitting here with Tex McQuilkin, and we're joined by our special guest, Matt Zanis. Hey, Matt, thanks for joining us on Power Athlete Radio. Thanks for having me. You're get up in that mic, my friend. Yeah, you got to oh, get it close. Real to the close. Face. Yeah, but real you, close. we got these badass pivot arms yeah. that you can sit back like this. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see how relaxed I am. And then it's good posturing. Yeah, get up in that. Yeah, because these are usually long podcasts, and I like to kind of move it back and forth and kind of move around a little bit so that my legs don't fall asleep. Yeah, we don't want to stay too rooted. We need movement. Oh, Ooh, that. was that a pun? No, that's the name of Matt's company. Ah, nice play on ah, words, John. I like it. I that's like a play it. on words. I'm going to steal that and trademark it. Please. So, Mr. Quoken, we have a question oh. from the hotline. Uh-huh. So, for those of you guys interested, we have this hotline of Power Athlete Radio. 929-464-4640. 0 Ing ing. Also known as uh, what is it? Ing ing zero? Yeah, ing ing zero. So uh, based on this podcast, we have this killer hotline. People call in, they leave questions, and we have one that is perfect to tee up for Xanus. Mm-hmm. It's a return to play, and Matt and I have had many a conversation about this specific topic. Because there is such a an, a problem with the transition from finishing your therapy, your PT sessions, and then returning to full speed, the problem exists at the college level. I know from experience because you're and you're right there. You have all the resources at your disposal. But now our caller is a grown ass man with kids and a job, and he wants to return to play following an injury. I feel this is an awesome question for Matt to help us tackle. Let's do it. Ready, ready? I'm excited. Enhance. Just print the goddamn thing. (laughs) Hey, John and Tex. My name's Alex. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Five months ago, I suffered a knee injury playing basketball. Basically, um, the guy went for my pump fake in the post, and while I was in the air, he decided that my back was a good landing place (laughs) to, to catch his balance. Under his weight, my knee ended up caving down and in. I went to my PCP and my chiropractor. They both evaluated the knee and assessed no major structural damage to the knee or any of its tendons or ligaments. I never received any specific diagnosis of the knee injury, but I've self-evaluated it as a knee sprain. Despite no structural damage, I'm finding it difficult to get back to sports. Lifting weights have been no problem. After a month or two, I was able to squat through a full range of motion with very little discomfort, and I was even able to hit a lifetime squat PR a couple weeks ago. The knee feels strong and stable throughout all the primal movements, squats, lunges, step-ups. However, when I dynamically load the knee, Olympic lifts, plyometrics, agility drills, it's as if my brain starts throwing up huge roadblocks. I've been getting stiffness behind the knee and into my upper calf area anytime I try to push it with any type of agility, jumping, sprinting. It's not unbearable, but it's consistent, and it shows up after every time I try to do these types of exercises. My question is, how do I begin to bridge the gap back to sports? What should my game plan be? Is there a progression of movements that I should be following? 
Are there things I should remove or things I should be adding? I've been using the power the uh, power dot twice a week following squat sessions, trying to balance the contractions from the injured knee. Also, I've switched from field strong programming to bedrock with the thought that the emphasis on isometrics and stability and lower volume would allow me time to focus on the mind-muscle connection with the injured knee. I'm 31 years old. I have two young kids with another small one on the way. Basketball has always been my game, and I play it regularly in a league where most of the guys range between the ages of 18 and 22. Basketball is a young man's game, but I want to play with these these young guys as long as as is sensible, and I would love to get back out there soon. I credit Power Athlete Programming for being able to keep up despite being a decade older than most of the guys I regularly play with. Thanks in advance. Bye. You know what's amazing about that question? He's reading it. He he hand-wrote it out ahead of time. Well, it's way, very well thought. Yeah. He's not wasting anybody's no, time. No, so what he did is he actually put all his thoughts down, formulated it, wrote it out, and then proceeded to read it, opposed from just asking a question. So it was interesting. As uh, You can tell that it's a very different delivery when somebody's actually reading it, opposed from off the cuff. Mm-hmm. And extremely well thought out, but he's still training, and he's trying to figure this out, and he's not giving up on it. Uh, he's an overthinker. He's well, he is one, from Pittsburgh. 100% overthinker. Best city in the world. But uh, yeah. um, I also thought that there was a little weird deal in that um, they said that they evaluated and said that there was no significant damage or injury, but then they didn't diagnose it. Yeah. That was kind of weird. Like, how did they assess? Like, was there an MRI? Did they just do the old sports check? Depends. But then, But even if they did that, I've never been to a doctor that didn't at least give you a diagnosis at the end of their treatment or their you know evaluation well for me what it sounds like is that he just had a physical exam like i'm sure if he had an x-ray or an mri we would have heard about those types of results um, but from the exam standpoint they're just the hands-on stuff is kind of inconclusive sure it's just not sensitive or specific enough so if they didn't feel anything crazy as far as laxity in the joint in the knee they'll just diagnose it as a sprain and put you on your way the problem with those tests is that they're not specific to tissues, sure. right? So we have these different tests for the MCL, the LCL, ACL, but you can get a number of different tissues involved there. So especially for that medial portion of the knee, the inside of the knee, you could have all kinds of different structures, including the MCL, causing some type of pain if those sensors are set off with the extra stress there. So well, did, did you guys also hear like the mechanism? Yeah. He said he went for a pump fake in the in the post, and the dude landed on his back. So I was kind of yeah, like he was on the offense, and the dude went up to jump. And he probably no, came down on him. No, but think about this, right? If he if he goes and he's in the post and he takes it and he goes to pump fake, wouldn't the guy be in front of him? How did the guy land on his back? Well, I th- I think... Unless he turned. No, he was guarding in front. He did his pump fake and the guy jumped. And the guy went to protect himself. Our offensive player here, Alex, went to protect himself. So he's just ducking. And, and the, the guy, guy landed on his back? Ah, I like that to... Uh, it, well, it, well, it doesn't make sense. Or, or the other thing I thought is he went for the pump fake, right? Shoots the J, and the dude behind him crashed into his back. Maybe. Like, that's the only that's way I could think. But that, uh, that was kind of inconclusive for uh, me. But my question, did he shoot the free throws? So then, <laughs> that's true. I kid. I kid. Shoot the J. Shoot it. Uh, but then the knee buckles. All right, and a buckling of the knee, especially what is it uh, like in uh, valgus, like buckle internal, in, internal mm-hmm. n- normally has a torn MCL. So probably is what he's dealing with is a torn MCL or at least a sprain, which is a tear. It's it just is. they don't say tear; it's, they say sprain. Grade, grade, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it probably wasn't significant enough for them to even 
really pick well, it up on anything. I know whether there's grades for sprains with the ankle. Is mm-hmm. it the same, same thing. thing with yeah, the knee? with all ligaments, yep. Usually grade one through three. I think the easiest thing with ankle is just blow all the ligaments early <laughs> and then just fucking, because like to this day, if I roll my ankle, it'll hurt for like maybe three minutes and then I just walk it off and it's fine. You I, know, John, I we have a foot it. course that you could probably check out. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. I do all of my foot stuff, <laughs> but it, it's just from years of playing football, like it just don't have any ligaments. Well, I, I was lucky. I rolled it, but my ankle, but then broke my leg. So it forced me into a cast to then essentially recover from the sprain, strain, mm-hmm. and then I guess a bone heal. How, how bad was the break? Uh, enough to, to cast up. It was my, my fib fracture, and then I missed my freshman year. Did gravy come out when you corrected? Did gravy? Uh, I hate to steal the show here, the story, <laughs> but my athletic trainer, this is D3 at its finest, she had a sandwich in our ice cooler. So when uh, my teammates go run to get ice to just put it on my ankle following the break at practice, it was at practice, uh, the ATC was running towards me, stops, changed direction to run back to the cooler, and screams like, don't touch my sandwich <laughs> to the, uh, so I, slight delay. Why? Because she was nervous, more nervous about her sandwich than you? Than, than me on the ground, and subplot later in the day, uh, my What kind school, of sandwich are we talking about? I don't remember. Was I it was a Reuben? Like leftover Thanksgiving turkey sandwich? My, was it a Reuben? I don't know. But later, they didn't have crutches for me. They had wooden crutches, so they had to steal these from the nurse's office. So our athletic trainers didn't have crutches. So they had to whittle them out of wood? No. Dude, I don't know. It's, it's freaking Catholic school, so they had wooden crutches in the nurse's office that then I had to use. But I was 185 at this point, and I'm crutching on wooden crutches. And I didn't go get my cast because it was afternoon practice. They're going to take me in the morning. Uh, I have an ace bandage on a broken ankle, walking on wooden crutches, and they... I'm too heavy for them. They freaking break. And I fall on a broken ankle, ace bandaged leg, and that hurt infinitely more than the initial break. Wow. It was bad. Dude. Uh, but I digress. This sounds like a less severe injury, but still as incompetent training staff that he went to. Still uh, annoying. What do you think the mechanism is? I mean, um, well, uh, like I, I have a hard time kind of uh, identifying with this because I've had knee injuries. And for me, it was like the minute that I was able to lift weights mm-hmm. and was proficient and basically doing all the private movements, yeah. like the pain issue was just kind of a non-factor. Is it the, the fact that maybe he's never been injured before and he's being way too sensitive, like noticing it too much? Because I, I found that people, especially when they're older, like um, uh, we had uh, Dr. Ants on the podcast mm-hmm. and he said that uh, athletes that experience some form of pain or injury early on are much better at dealing with it later in life. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to get injured, it's good to get injured early just to teach you. If, you. if your injury comes in your 30s, those guys a lot of times have a hard time dealing with it. Well, there's a lot of truth behind that too. It's all about how the actual nervous system conditions to pain. And that's what we're seeing a lot with young kids these days is they're not going outside and running around like we did growing up and like falling down, scraping your knee, rubbing some dirt on it. Dude, I was falling out of tree stands at the age of like six or seven. So you learn real quick what real pain injury is compared to essentially what you're feeling later on in life. Um, but the other thing that, that comes to mind for me is that anytime we talk about the knee, we have to talk about the foot and the ankle. Mm. So likely what happened, especially from a mechanism standpoint, ankle probably rolled in, lost contact with that fifth med head, so that pinky toe area, and that's what caused the valgus sensation to occur at the knee and stretch out the ligament. Happened to me a few years ago when I was on a trip with the Olympics. We were getting ready to leave Guadalajara, Mexico, and they sent a 10-person passenger van for 14 of us Makes a lot of mathematical sense there, right? Mm-hmm. Plus luggage and equipment, 14 different guns, my PT equipment and everything like that. 
I'm the biggest guy of the shooting athletes, so I'm the one putting all that equipment into the, playing a sick game at Tetris, putting it all into the van. So I'm the last person to get in. I ended up climbing over one of our athletes into one of the last seats behind the driver. My left foot got caught in between the two seats as I was squatting down. Ankle, poof, rolled in. Knee went in with it. Torn it, uh, meniscus. Oh. Yeah. Jeez. Of course, I was wearing skinny jeans at the time, too, so you yeah. see all that swelling. That's right. I was going to say, good yeah. thing you were wearing the skinny jeans keep the swelling out. Good compression. Yeah, good compression. Yeah, see, I thought ahead on that one. But there's nothing more humbling than getting to the airport, and I went to take a step and just fell f- flat on my face yeah. outside the van being carried by the coaches through the airport. Yeah. <sighs> They're like, oh, what, what happened to your athlete? No, it's <laughs> no, our PT. It's PT. Our, our PT's hurt. Jacked <laughs> himself up. Yeah. Uh, but it, that just goes to show you that the foot and the ankle is a huge uh, role in how the knee functions and performs. So would you think that um, maybe uh, that having this injury, um, even though he's training and doing everything, do you think that maybe this injury brought to light some weaknesses that have always kind of been underlying that maybe he was a you know a bit of a compensator and able to work around it oh. now with this? Uh, it's really demonstrating weak foot, weak arch, and you know maybe oh, some other issues. Absolutely, right? Injuries always teach us a, teach us a lesson if we're consciously aware enough to actually um, notice it. And when it, when it comes to the knee like this, it, well, actually any joint for that matter, strength isn't always the answer. Because it sounds like, I mean, he PR to squat, right? And he yeah. feels very confident and proficient in all the different primal movement patterns. So at this point, we have to look elsewhere, right? If strength is always the answer, it would make me a very, uh, it would set me off the hook as a PT. We don't have to critically think about anything, right? So what it comes down to is I think it's more about the timing mm-hmm. of how his foot is impacting the ground and the way the forces are being transmitted up the chain. So it all comes down is can the foot actually go through that excursion of the pronation and the supination to allow for rotation, dissipation of forces up into the knee and into the hip. Mm-hmm. Because you also mentioned this tightness and stuff in the back of the knee, right? Yep. And we were talking about your popliteus tendon before, yep. and that, that is probably a culprit because that little guy then unlocks and locks the knee. So it's that first 30 degrees of rotation. From the mechanism standpoint, uh, he got dropped on by that guy and it probably added some load into knee flexion when that popliteus was unlocking. So it's probably that guy that's probably a little bit um, freaked out at the moment. Sure. The brain is causing that reaction in and around there. So do you go and do uh, some like grass stands, some rolfing, like a little bit of like try to like move the tissue, kind of work it a little bit? Can't get it. It's way too deep. So I, I like to go at it from a movement standpoint, obviously, because we know if we can get movement through the foot, we can create what's called like an excursion. So we could manipulate the length tension relations with the muscle based on the rotation of the tibia. Mm-hmm. So if we get the foot to pronate, we can get the tibia to rotate, the femur can rotate, and we'll actually take it through an excursion onto a big stretch, and that sets off a reaction into the nervous system to get it to contract again. And we start to work this excursion from fully lengthened to fully, con- fully contracted, and that gives the brain the sense of stability back and safety back again. All right. Let's uh, let's start to take that journey that you're speaking of, and he's getting the strength in clo- closed chain movements, meaning his foot starts on the ground and stays on the ground within our primals, so squat, stepping, and lunging, and he's confident in those movements, but he's pissed because as soon as that feet starts to leave the ground or that dynamic movement to and some... It sounds like his training needs to have his feet need to do some more open chain stuff. Some op- So... Yeah. Talk about that bridging the gap simply between a closed chain and an open chain where we're starting. I got some ideas, but he's missing that timing as you would. So what are some actions, some movements, some training that he can start to build into more formal open chain basketball style actions? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we need to acknowledge the fact that he has done the strength part because that strength stuff is important because it improves the tissue quality, mm-hmm. right? So if we can get the foundation of good tissue quality through the tendons, 
through the ligaments, through the muscles, that sets the foundation to be able to handle some of this open chain or the plyometric work that he clearly needs to work into next. Mm -hmm. um, so from that standpoint, you know, it's, it's got to be more about the joint position sense and the, um, the, like I said, the timing beforehand. So there are plenty of different movements that we can get into, but from my standpoint, the foot and the ankle needs to tell the knee to do two different things. It needs to tell it to be soft and needs to tell it to be rigid, right? You need to have both. You need mm -hmm. to be able to absorb load and to be able to produce it. That softness comes from the foot pronation going down, and then the rigidity comes from the foot supination. So for him, I'd like to see... For our listeners who didn't take Anatomy 101, <laughs> describe the actions yeah. of pronation and supinations Perfect. of the foot. Yeah. So pronation typically occurs when the knee comes out over the toe. That arch, the medial arch, will flatten down to the ground like a pancake. You can almost think about it as like... Uh, octopus tentacles spreading out so that the toes actually spread out and then we create, create a larger base of support. Then for the supination standpoint, it's like those tentacles coming together and producing a lifted arch, which is how we then transmit force through the lower leg up into the knee and up into the hip. So we need to be efficient at transmitting that force. So we need to be able to create isometrics. So he mentioned that in his response about doing isometrics. So what I would do is joint position specific isometrics in and around the foot and ankle and the knee to create what I call tensegrity. So it's this combination Ooh. of words, tension and integrity, right? And that's what creates that stiffness, that rigidity to be able to, to handle the force. So Kelly started of you creating uh, your own words. Not my word. It's an engineering oh, word. Is it? Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can't steal that yeah, one. No, Ke uh, Kelly constantly <laughs> make up his, start making up his own words and then people would be like, oh yeah, I'd be like, that's not a real word. Yeah. Yeah. So I wish I could take, take uh, credit for that one, but unfortunately can't. Um, so there's, there are a couple of different ways to do it, but I like to actually use a foam roller for this one and not to roll out the muscles, but to do a modified version of a bridge. So, you know, typically people do a bridge with the feet underneath the knee or the hips and they drive the, the hips up into extension. Right. Problem is we get way too much low back and way too much glute. So what we're doing with the foam roller in this is trying to replicate the position of running and jumping, which okay. is that shortened knee angle. So the leg is more extended about 150 degrees or so. And, uh, with that, we put the one foot up on the foam roller so we get a little bit of a lift mm -hmm. out of it, drive through the big toe knuckle and the fifth toe knuckle, so that transverse arch, which is like the uh, like a wheelbarrow. It's designed to handle a lot of heavy, heavy load, but we also get activation through the soleus muscle and the hamstrings to create that isometric stability in and around the knee. And if we were to take that person that's laying on their back with the, the foot on top of the foam roller and we flip, flip them upwards, it would look like they're running or jumping. So have them do a little bit of a posterior tilt so pulling the hips underneath them and just lift right them on. slightly off, off, off the ground. And that, we hold, have them hold that, right? So the gold standard for that one that we see in the research is about 45 seconds. Most people can't get 10. Wow. So I know that if they can't get a good amount of time on that isometric stability, their ability to create tension around the knee is probably really sloppy. So they're going to have a lot of ground contact time. Not going to be able to get off the ground quick enough. All that force is going to get bled elsewhere into the chain. Do you I mean, um, I sometimes think with some of this stuff, uh, you know, maybe there are already these underlining issues, like maybe he, you know, had some sloppy movement or like you said, some foot issues. I mean, guys that play basketball tend to roll ankles a lot. They tend to wear, you know, high tops, you know, there, so there could be some already pre-existing conditions that um, now all of a sudden this dude caves his back and his knee buckles and he's got this issue, um, goes in, gets a evaluation. They don't do an MRI. They kind of just say, oh, you're fine. Get back out there. 
and here he is continuing to train, but yet still can't get back out to play. Is there a, a, like a protocol to be like, all right, hey, I want you to go out and we're going to work fundamentals. Like, I want you to go, you know, set up cones, dribble down five, cross over five, and start taking him back kind of like a slow progression, just like mm-hmm. you do in a PT clinic when somebody's coming back from any injury. Mm-hmm. You start looking for like little small kind of sports-specific things that they could do to try to help them uh, gain confidence more so than being like, hey, I've been lifting weights. I had this injury. Now I'm going to go out and play against these 18 to 22-year-old kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of that looks like a lot of single leg hopping and bounding, yeah. essentially. is like, can you, well, I would start with like some jumping rope. So can you yeah. even just jump rope with two legs and handle that little bit of, of impact load of like two or three times body weight coming down on the ankle? Um, but it's interesting about the body weight thing, that soleus muscle that we talked about, that's most active with that knee bent and it handles six to eight times body weight. That's how much load it's taken on a daily basis. So that guy is like the, I think the key, the keystone to, to knee stability and, and knee pain as well. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it is all about building confidence. Once we can build confidence, that's where that sa- that sense of safety and security comes into, into the brain. And that means that's way more valuable than anything we could do from a strength standpoint at that point. Uh, there, there are a bunch of different tests out there. There's a three leg hop test and all that that you're comparing side to side differences. But for me, that information is great right? If you're hopping longer on one leg or farther distance on one leg versus another, but I'm more concerned about what's happening at, with the movement at the foot and the ankle, because mm-hmm. the quality is what's most important there. Cause we could take a guy like him. I'm going to almost, I'm going to say 99% that he's got rigid arches, John high arches. And he spends most of his time on the outside edge of the foot mm-hmm. in that supinated shape. So when he got into a compromised position of this knee valgus knee caves in, he didn't know how to protect it. Didn't know how to find the big toe. Didn't know how to pronate through the foot. Didn't know how to rotate and attenuate those forces through the knee, so I'm right into the ligament. Muscles are designed to handle it, but if you never take them through there, never gonna be strong enough to do so. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, without um, without seeing his movement, without him yeah. sending us some video, we're yeah. just kind of uh, speculating. Uh, and I let think... me let me check the bedrock feeds, but uh, yeah, keep it ro- rolling. I got it. Well, uh, the, the other one I'd more. like to see is, is I'd be interested in seeing his squat, and I'd be interested in seeing his deadlift. Mm-hmm. If when uh, the minute on the deadlift as he goes to crack the bar off the ground, if the knees start to cave, mm-hmm. um, I'd be interested to see on a squat where the knee is in relation to the arch, because when you think about it, even though you know a lot of people will have squat, uh, the knee will track over the like you know the center of the foot mm-hmm. or even drive out. When you look at most athletes, the feet are always. You know, obviously we don't straight ahead, but the knees always track over the insteps, mm-hmm. and that's part of that universal athletic position. Yeah. So without seeing his movement, without seeing him do some stuff, um, but I really think uh, if he's you know pretty proficient with the bilateral uh, you know squats and the open and the closed chain, he needs to progress to more uh, open chain movements and do some actual just some sports specific easier stuff to try to regain some confidence. I would say if he's very proficient in the bedrock stuff to go towards more of a single leg dominant training program and overload that with the emphasis of, like you said, getting that knee over the instep of the toe and allowing the foot to actually flatten down and be able to absorb load again. And get a ton of positive shin angle. A ton of positive shin angle. Like like some active foot, single leg Bulgarian split squat type stuff. It would be great. I I feel his timing is perfect for this question as we enter into French contrast Mm -hmm. training. Yeah. And as you mentioned, the ten, tensegrity, mm-hmm. tensegrity. Uh, the the coaching point with a lot of the French contrast stuff in terms of the eccentric and the ice, especially the isometric, is we want them to find a to move fast down into an isometric hold, but it's finding your weak point in your range of motion, and the opportunity for the single leg stuff is abound. That's a jumping pun. 
and wow. the. It's Sorry, pretty, I was, reaching, that I was reaching for that one. It's yeah. pretty interesting when somebody has to stop and explain <laughs> the pun to you. Normally Sorry. you hear it and you're like, oh, that's pretty puntastic. But when somebody has to stop in the same monotone voice and give it to you. Oh, you get it? Get it now. Anyway. Okay. Now we get it. Uh, Thanks but, for helping. But the Thanks isometric, you, for example, Bulgarian split squat, we're going to have plenty of single leg isometric with active foot, without active foot. But to what we want to do with an isometric with our... French contrast or triphasic is load into. So almost like breakdown. So I'm loading into my position, try aiming to find my weak point and then I'm holding. And then the biggest mistake for execution on isometric, what I see is I'll tell you how to do it correctly. First, once I find my depth and isometrically hold for the allotted amount of time, eight to 15 seconds, I want to drive straight up. What we're seeing is load into weak point and then folks, Go down to go up. Oh, yeah, yeah. So common mistake there, but this is, again, a specific training. But we have plenty of the, the down to go up later in the program for the concentric. But uh, I think there's an opportunity for you to move from bedrock, Alex, onto our next field yeah. strong cycle. No, I, I would definitely recommend him move to, to field strong. Yeah. Just the you know, isometric contractions, the heavy eccentrics. You know, a uh, ton of the dynamic movements. Um, I'm interested to see what uh, how his knee feels if he hits the flutter kicks. And the, the trampoline and the as trampoline well. Sprints. So opportunities with lower yeah. impact to still accomplish yeah. his goal. Even, even something as simple as like the cocky walks. Mm -hmm. Can he handle that? He'd probably be able to handle that type of plyometric load a lot sooner than the bent knee variations just because that was the mechanisms of injury, right? So the, the nervous system will be a lot more you know, confident in the straight leg variation of it. Ah, yeah. yeah. We'll we'll make a note, John, to add yeah. in the the pop pop yeah. one two. I think it's also though important to, to to note too is once you get the strength, like say we're doing active foot Bulgarian split squats, we're doing some flat foot stuff, we teach the arch to flatten, and now you're building that tensegrity in there, you're getting all the muscles and the ligaments and nervous system working together. Now you got to be able to teach it to explode and transfer that energy up the chain, right? It's useless mm -hmm. if we can't use the property of the tendons to be reflexive again. Like our fascial system is like a Wi-Fi network. Right, it sends signals super fast, and it's really energy conserving. So for me, you mentioned um, John that he's—it sounded like an overanalyzer, like overthinking things. Yeah. Whenever we do that, the muscles tense, mm -hmm. and we're using way too much muscular effort in and around in our movement. Or maybe, maybe it's just thinking too much, like oh, uh, too. you know. And this, and this happens all too often when people get hurt. I remember, you know, the first time you get hurt, and it's something you're always kind of like, well, it doesn't feel the same. The other side feels different. And then after you get hurt, like the next time, you're like, fuck it, it's never going to feel right. I'm not going to worry about it. Well, that that is the importance of bedrock mm -hmm. as a rehab program. One, especially if you've been through it originally, to establish a base level of strength, you gain confidence with your your new knee, or so on and so forth. If you had a surgery or recovery, because the linear progression, plenty of opportunity to overload and build your mental confidence in your movement mm -hmm. that you can then return to the more dynamic or play. Yeah. I think one more good one, just as a recommendation for him too, is getting like our low boxes, like four to six inches or even like a um, weight plate, right? Bumper plate, four inches off the ground and almost doing a forward step down, right? So once he gets the strength through the foot, we could practice now stepping down, flattening the arch out, and then quickly pushing off and mm. trying to drive through that big toe to create the supination and see how well you could transfer it from flat foot to supinated foot. Okay. You could also do that side to side as well or into that rotational plane that we were playing around with this morning. Yeah, we have a dynamic step up, which would be a, a stepping back, like a driving down motion, mm -hmm. but certainly we can Forward. integrate or find a place for that in our, our Yeah, training. it's great because you get that knee over the toe 
mm-hmm. formation as well on, on that stepping leg. So we're getting kind of killing two birds with one stone. And anytime that we're playing basketball, we have to push the knee out over the toe to be able to load up the quads. To, well, yeah, I mean, especially right. when somebody's landing on you. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Perfect. I think uh, we slayed it. Yeah. One more yes. question to wrap this up. And I know you're excited about this without even knowing it, but I need a hot take. Balance pads. Maybe Ooh. his PTs throw him onto some balance pad to get his balance back or ankle stability. You What's really, your hot you take? You really want me to go up on a soapbox, soapbox now for like the next yeah. hour? Well, since, I, since we have I, a time I, constraint. I, I bet you, uh, <laughs> uh, like, like you're talking so about like the foam pads. Airx pads. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Blue. Yeah. The blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah the blue yeah. pads. Yeah. They, they drive me absolutely nuts. Why right? is that? So, because why? the earth is not like that? It's, <sighs> the earth is flat? Because the earth is flat and not like a marshmallow? Pretty much. Pretty much. I think that's how it rolls. Um, because the, the Airx pads, if you even look into research too, they create what we call more prime mover stability. So the muscles in and around the ankles, the perineals, the posterior tib, the calf, it doesn't do anything with the stability of the foot. And we know that the sensation through the stability of the foot is what drives balance. So challenging basis support in and around a single leg and going through three different planes of motion, like that triplanar ankle that we were messing around with. That's how you start to challenge stability and basic support. And then you start driving in other perturbations or other challenges or constraints like moving the arms around, closing your eyes, having to solve a task or a problem. That's how we improve balance in and around the lower chain. So Eric's pads are 100% useless. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. Just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. That's like squatting on a busu ball. I heard Tex is great. With a barbell? Yeah, with a barbell. And no spotter? Nah, just fucking do it. I, too, like to live dangerously. Uh, well, that's Power Athlete Nation. Thanks, Alex, for calling in to the hotline. Yeah, thanks for uh, another we'll episode on, of Power Athlete Radio. We'll see you on Field Strong Pal. Continue to share your lifting videos. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Zanis, for All cruising right. in and uh, drop yeah. a little bit of knowledge for us. Appreciate it. If anyone thanks. else has a hotline question for Matt or the crew here, John, what do they do? Uh, they dial up 464-464, what is it? 929-464-464-0. 929-ing-ing-0. I think I've said it so many times, all of a sudden in my mind, I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah, you black out. Uh, happens all the time. <laughs> Blacked out. I don't know. <laughs> like, what happened? That was great. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!